Hello everyone and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. <clears throat> I trust that all of you are enjoying the blessing of the Lord and that you are just giving thanks to him for the marvelous ways that he is using you and using the the many saints around the world that are devoted to what God's doing at his throne. You know, I, I can uh, make that statement and if you were to interpret it generically, so many ministries would say, oh yes, we're, we're doing that. We're committed to what God's doing around his throne. And herein is a case where every factor of that statement needs to be explored because for so many, the throne of God is simply the anchor upon which the world revolves and many of uh, the, the Christians who would assert that think that God is just sitting up there waiting for the course of <clears throat> his ordained history to be played out and that at a certain time he will turn to our risen Lord Jesus Christ who is sitting comfortably at a chair at the right hand of the throne and he'll say get the trumpet ready it's time for the rapture. So, if a great number of millions of Christians were to identify what they mean with, I'm in agreement with what's going on at the throne, that's what they would mean. I know, because I lived in that environment for decades, and I'm blessed to have been part of it. But that's just such an errant misguided and limiting view of what really is being done at the throne of God. So for those of you saints who <clears throat> are intercessors, <clears throat> you recognize that God has called you to that place, the right hand of the throne, and that you are seeking the will of God to be done as you pray daily in unknown tongues the mysteries of God what God is doing daily that his throne is not simply a a north pole where we send our Santa letters every day of the things that we want him to do that his throne is an operative base for eternity and truly the the apex of the gathering point of sons as we pray and we gain our directives to go forth and proclaim prophetically and to live a prophetic or an apostolic lifestyle this is the throne and this is where God inhabits the praises or the telling forth of what God is about to do what God has said he's going to do 
when everything is in place, that throne is inhabited. It, it, it dwells in the place where you, through the power of the cross, have established your point of obedient service. And you're welcoming the kingdom to come and his will be done. Thanks is directed toward what God has done and to, to some degree is currently doing. It's the groundwork of our expressions before the Lord. But praise abounds in expectancy and rejuvenance and um, so if we're if we are releasing praise toward the dry places of Zion then we're expecting God to do what he has ordained from his throne and communicated through the right hand and we're proclaiming as Israel did and when they went to stand on the two mountains when they first entered the land and one side had the uh, basically the warriors and they were releasing curses across the other side had the, the Levites the tribe of Issachar and those that were more uh, resonating with representing the kingdom they were releasing blessing uh, we, we need to be a people who understand that in any point where we're going you're going to have to be a lover and a warrior you're going to have to have parets parats you're going to have to bless forward and be able to deflect curses I mean, curses aren't just spoken sometimes curses are part of the structure of the demonic kingdom sometimes they are a twisting in the histemes of the land and we have to bless those that curse we have to be lovers and warriors and we've just come off of a a multi-week pursuit as a saints network praying for the continent of South Africa South America maybe we should pray for the nation of South Africa uh, praying for South America the team a team went to Sao Paulo um, the, the base of our Saints family remained faithful in the in the place where God has called all of us and both of those are essential But when we come back from such excursions and everyone has given, given thanks to the Lord and testified as to what God has done, the things that we know he's done, the work isn't finished. And so often in our flesh we consider that it is but it's not finished and that leads us to the topic that we want to address today and that is in regard to what the scripture says is a 
rearward, rear, rearward. I mean, you can pronounce that a number of ways in English, but I guess the easiest would be rearward, not re-reward, not re-reward, but rearward. What does that mean? And let's let's see this from the scripture. It's not a long, involved study. It's very simple, actually. And so I've not prepared a teaching sheet for you because we're basically looking at two passages of Scripture. And I'm pretty sure all of you can find two passages of Scripture. One of the reasons I'm doing this this way on a regular basis is because we need to become, uh, as saints, deeper students of the word than we've been. It's easy to come to church and get a handout of three or four pages of scriptures grouped together. That's great. We may or may not remember where those sheets are after a week, or maybe even an hour after the teaching. But as helpful as those are, and as necessary as those are, we need to learn to study for ourselves a workman needing not to be reproved, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so one of the reasons we've been doing this on Wednesdays, not always, but looking specifically at the word for ourselves is because we want to encourage people to learn how to do this. And yeah, some of my statements have probably irked a number of you where I'm cajoling people that you can do this. You're not, you're not dummies. You know, what else do we need to do to get you to do this? Sometimes, you know, there's all kinds of people that are listening to this broadcast. Those who are skilled in this, you're already there. And you wonder, why is he saying this to me? Some of you who are more tender-hearted will say, oh, he's just hurting these dear ones. Listen, our sweet Pastor Ron is just being so mean. Why does he do this? Well, have you ever played sports? Any of you ever been in the military? You know, what our job is, is much more important than either of those pursuits. <clears throat> was the uh, was the drill sergeant or the your training officer did he just come and pat you on the head and say, you sweet thing? And did the coach just say, yeah, you know, every nine out of every times you're up, you just swing and miss all the time. It's okay. It'll be better. I remember what my coach said. He wasn't kind. But I got better. And so sometimes we have to be reminded that Every one of us were created to function before God. And the Word of God is alive. It is God. And it's made for all of us. <clears throat> and we need to constantly be in the Word. So forgive me if I'm insisting on people doing that. But today we're going to look at this real Word and try to glean what it means for us, not only when we come off of a campaign or a missions trip, but 
in our daily life when God has asked us to accomplish something uh, and we, we come through it how do we structure what do we do when it's over do we just say well I just want to thank the Lord he just did this for me and that's it is that putting a exclamation point at the end of the thing and then being done the real the real victory is found in the real reward and I'm not sure we've understood this and I think the enemy has taken advantage <coughs> in this way <coughs> you know before we started sensing that the Lord was leading us out into other nations <coughs> we would tell people to when they prayed to glean what God was saying this is a type of a real reward this is a type of a of a gathering of a collecting it's kind of an interpretation that fits into the ideal of the real reward we would have seminars and glorious things would happen and then I'd warn people look we have to stand strong for days after guarding over what God has done but so many would say okay you know seminar's over I'm going on vacation now or I, you know, I'm just going to take some time off you need rest <clears throat> you need rest because ministry will drain you in ways that nothing else does but you don't rest to the detriment of guarding the post failing to guard the post or to gather failing to gather the the handfuls that God still has there for us I remember going to a um, I don't know what you would call it it was a series of meetings uh, and um, it was largely focused on prophetic worship and when the conference ended or whatever they called it it was a good thing I'm not blaming or criticizing the leaders they did a wonderful job but when everybody left we were still there and we were praying and I looked out and I saw all kinds of in the spirit I saw all types of garments and what I would characterize as instruments and weapons some some glistening golden material that I didn't know what it really was and I thought what what is that Lord and he said these are things that people have left behind that I gave them and they had no intention or desire to take it with them now part of that could be because they didn't know what to do but a lot of it is that people want to be blessed they want the victory they want excitement but they don't want any responsibility um, and so I said what can be done about this I said can we have can we utilize some of these for you and so I walked around the room and a couple of things just came to me and I, I 
I know that that was kind of like a double portion of the spirit that I was going to be responsible to do somebody else's action, somebody else's job, and I still don't understand all of that. But what we're talking about here is not the practice of those individual instances, but the uh, what the rear rearward means for us. So there are um, two specific passages that we want to look at both in Isaiah. The first is Isaiah 52, verse 12. And in this, in this passage, um, you have Isaiah prophesying about how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that brings good tidings. Don't get antsy. That's in verse 7. The watchman lifting the voice um, break forth with joy, sing you waste places, uh, the Lord making bare his holy arm. And then um, verse 12, you shall not go out with haste, nor go by flight. So in other words, don't hasten to, to indiscriminately just evacuate a post. For the Lord will go before you God's plan is leading you. And the God of Israel, Elohim, will be your reward. And then it leads us into, my servant shall deal prudently, many will be astonished at his visage, as he was marred more than any man, and it goes into, who has believed our report, Isaiah 53, and then it describes the crucifixion of Jesus. So the context of this prophecy is our, our calling and what Jesus sacrificed for our calling. You know, our mission in being a watchman and going to the mountains with the uh, with the feet of good news, and this this passage is really a testament to the sacrifice of Jesus to make this possible, and the truly the essence of what we're called to do as born again sons. And um, and then, of course, Isaiah 54 speaks about the the blessing, then the enlarging, the expansion. But this verse 12 of Isaiah 52 says that the the plan of God goes before us, and the Elohim of your identity, that deep place in the heart of God, will be with you um, as the journey completes, as the, um, as the tactical part of the mission is concluded. And this is very important for us to recognize so what is a rearward? 
if you, some of you have already looked, it is, um, it is the word ASAP, A-S-A-P. That, that should have been the title. Maybe that's the title of this message. Um, and it means to gather. It means to harvest. It was used in a number of ways, but it always had to do with collecting. When an army was being mobilized within a nation, this word was used. Um, they the word ASAP is the root of Asaph who was the one who was responsible for the tabernacle of David and then into Solomon's day in the initial days um, the one who would gather what David would send process it oversee it in the intercession with the seers and the musicians and um, through that intercession they would bring forth the fullness of what God intended and also in the Old Testament Dan, the tribe of Dan was supposed to be when Israel was moving forward and the tribes were in their alignment, Dan was appointed as the rear ward. Now Dan was, his name means judge. Dan, in one of the descript, prophetic descriptions, it classified him as being an adder in the roadway that would strike the horseman and the horseman would fall backward Dan was in his his own historical record <coughs> very skilled at commerce Dan's tribal heritage was on the coast um, it was um, it was the basically the tribe that separated them you can look this up on your Bible maps from the from the people groups of Amalek you see Amalek listed there even if you look it up you'll see it and remember the Amalekites were the ones that always struck at the rear they struck at vulnerable places and God said he hated Amalek strong words but in the Bible uh, and that the people of God would from generation to generation fight against Amalek. The problem was that Dan began to be um, skilled uh, tradesmen. They, they would go out in ships across the Med and they would export, import. Um, at one point when the armies were being raised it was lamented that Dan has, was, has gone in his ships <clears throat> so that gathering processing uh, human skill set and placement to be a judge to be a gatherer to be um, people who would defend uh, against the pursuits of the enemy against that would come 
toward a, a victorious people of God, um, that, that is easily abandoned because success and just human abundance often derails the ongoing kingdom. If people are full, then they don't really want to be hungry, even though we should be full and hungry. If, um, if we become like Laodicea, we say we're rich, we have need of nothing, and as we talked about on Sunday, um, God says you need to humble yourself and in the midst of your prosperity, be these skilled judges to jurisdict what should be done and to do it decisively, to strike against the pursuing enemy, to gather up all of the, of the blessings that are there that are yours so that they they're not lost and um, so Dan in the scripture was to be the rearward there's another King James rearward word that is describes David and his troop coming in at the at the rear this is not the same word it, that was just a descriptive word but I think that was telling that amongst the Philistines, David's men served, were serving in that role, even though this, this Hebrew word was not used. So, for our individual purpose, it says that we're going after the plan of God. It goes before us. God in his plan. But, for us as individuals, we must be, when we come off of a mission or when we, when we see God do a glorious thing or when we've had a wonderful time in Him in intercession and we know that something dynamic has happened, that's the time for us to stop and as individuals and be be very open and sensitive to the heart of God yes reflecting on the accomplishment of that segment of God's plan but to know that Elohim is there with us as individuals and enjoy his presence I know what it is we, we get exhausted we're tired um, we just want to do nothing I'm, I'm just being very transparent here and to some degree we we often think okay I've been on alert spiritually for days now we've come through physically I'm exhausted I have uh, natural responsibilities here in my family and in, in my job and my work certainly God will understand if I don't have a concerted prayer time every day or even boy I just have so much to do Lord I, you know I'm just going to pray for a minute or two on my way in I'm not faulting anybody I'm just saying that we can all be guilty of this and on a 
personal level, which is what this is, yes, it involves a mission, but on a personal level, what Jesus died so that you could enjoy, we have to spend individual time. Don't wait on the pastor. Well, he didn't call no meetings. You do it. You're a mighty man. You're a mighty woman. You spend time before the Lord. And not just a, pansing wa a passing wave or a pansing wave, whatever that is. That sounds weird. I do not understand this pansing wave. Neither do I, Luke. Um, so the reward is to gather. And I would think that this would be to gather what God's done in you, how he's used you, how you have seen him, to learn of him. This is where his heart is communicating, affirming, uh, securing. We, we, have to, we have to do this knowing that individually the place of the rearward is Elohim. And with that, we gather, we learn, we're defended. It's amazing what, if we're just quiet, we can sense um, aspects of the enemy wanting to draw away the fruits of victory to draw away the things that you experienced in God that perhaps were first a first for you we need to cherish those and let them be established in our lives and this is where that sweet fellowship with the heart of God comes in and look, look I know I'm a human believe it or not, just like you. I tell you, coming off this journey to Brazil, it was a great, tre tremendous success. But immediately I try to, I begin to process. And I begin to think and hear what the voice of the Spirit is saying, what needs to be done, what should be gathered, what, what follow-up do you need, what can be lost down there. You know, what do people um, that came alongside, uh, they're going to gravitate back into their normal lifestyle and wait till next year or when the next time you come. What do you need to do? There's an aspect of gathering there that wears some of you out. But we don't want to lose the things that God has given us. You know, we unforced errors, not taking advantage of the momentum not um, not insisting on the establishment of what God has given. These are all no-nos in the kingdom, but yet we're so prone to do it. We just think that whatever we've done for the Lord, as good as that is, and whatever we've learned from Him, it's like you turn in a, a paper in school and you're done. Well, no, you're not done. And I, I'm grateful that it is the heart of God to us as individuals that is our reward.
and we, we need to be sensitive to judge we need to be sensitive to gather and to uh, secure what God has given we need to guard against the pursuits of the enemy and how do we battle it doesn't say that Dan and again this was the one that was appointed to be the rearward for for the tribes it doesn't say that they stood with a flaming mighty sword it's the truth y'all says that they were they were subtle and that they would strike at the enemy and cause the enemy to fall backwards it doesn't have to be some mammoth military exercise but if you're just asleep by the side of the road a whole cavalry of horses could come tromping by and you'll just think it's a Texas thunderstorm we have to be aware that the enemy is not happy with what we do for God and we need to be as the French would say on guard so on a personal level for what Jesus did for us to be sons we are devoted to the plan of God and we are not quick to move out from what God has done we um, we rejoice in his heart how long should I do this pastor is one day enough well that's like counseling somebody on a date how long that they hold their girlfriend's hand <laughs> you know we're talking about the heart of God I can't prescribe romance for you maybe some of you need it God has a relationship with all of you that's different but we need to take the time to be embraced by him and to embrace him because therein is the judgments of the Lord therein is the gathering of the blessings there is the assessment and the learnings that should benefit benefit you in the future you do and then you teach but if you weren't paying attention when you were doing you didn't learn anything and therein is a key to knowing how to deflate the attacks of the enemy I've been guilty of not doing this oh I do I do it you know me so I'm not talking about I went down to the honky-tonk and just got lost for a few days trying to shake off the the aches and pains of the of the battle but I know at certain times um, while I give thanks to the Lord and I, I do process on a natural from a natural inclination nuts and bolting as it were some of you one of you um, I know that I you know you just I, I've not felt as weary 
after any journey as I felt coming back from this trip. You know, the anointing and you pouring yourself out, broken and spilled out, depletes you in ways that cannot be really adequately described in physical terms. The natural mind doesn't understand this. <clears throat> but thanks be to God, you know, he replenishes us. And, you know, I, I got back early in Tuesday morning last week and we came straight to the, to the office area and there was a lot of things to do at the office and I was exhausted. I had a wound on my arm and I, I stayed here until I don't know what time, later in the afternoon, which was fine. It's my job. But I, I just hit the ground running, went home, did some things, went to bed, got up, came in early the next day because I was two hours ahead in time frame. And we just kind of kept going, didn't we? We had a prayer time on Wednesday night. That was wonderful. But I even thought of, we had a Monday after kind of a gathering of a lot of the pastors where people were simply fellowshipping and that was important. And then we had a prayer time and then we had a gap of a couple of hours before we had to go to the airport and I don't know where my mind was. I was grateful. I was trying to think of anything I needed to do any bill I needed to pay there, any thing that I needed to watch over as we were transporting to the airport with the, the half of the big group that went. The other half had left early in the morning. And, and I know I missed some things. I'm just being totally open. I know that in those couple of hours while I was doing good things I wasn't doing the best thing and I've asked the Lord I've asked the Lord to forgive me for that but I'm wondering whether there wasn't something that uh, the heart of our Lord wasn't going to whisper to me that would have prevented some things that the enemy was doing I was thinking that the last Every time we've gone into Brazil, and this is a, this continent is, uh, of South America is essential in the end times. Every time we've come out of there, there's been some kind of an attack. And I mean some kind of an attack. I'm tired of that. Now, we've had attacks that have come in other nations we've gone into. I remember one time coming back from Nigeria on the first time. We were on a transport bus at London Heathrow, and we're riding along, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, comes this delivery truck and smashes right into the center of this transport vehicle. It was a bus, glass on all sides. Glass flew everywhere. The bus rocked back and forth. The police came on. We were, and I, 
thank God we were safe. And I just said to the policeman, look, I don't want to wait around here. I'm fine. We're fine. We need to go get our connecting flight. Boy, was I ready to get home. But every time coming out of Brazil, unique attacks, spiritually directed. So I think that with the real world, we need to, as individuals, even before we come back, we need to... Now, we did have a prayer time. I'm not saying we didn't pray. I'm not saying we played pinochle and ping pong and, you know, um, Uno. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's... Um, I think it's something that the Lord's saying to us. Maybe you've not done that since whether you were here or whether you were going. You need to just go before the Lord and embrace the heart of God thank him for the privilege of being able to individually you not the group you participate in the plan of God and ask him to let you come near to him in his heart and know him as the reward because really, that's what we were made to do anyway. This is a personal thing. God made you to partner with him, to love him, to know him, to commune with him, to hear from him, to represent him. So it makes perfect sense in the economy of God's heart for this to be, on an individual basis, what the reward is. So then... The rustling of the leaves takes us. I think any student of the word should be able to easily turn the pages of Isaiah to Isaiah 58. And if you have an electronic Bible, it's going to be a couple of more flicks of your finger to get there. Well, Isaiah 58. Now this is, as we know, this is talking about you getting ready for partnering with God. And this is our familiar passage on fasting to prepare ourselves for what would be some exertion in God, some warfare, believing for some great breakthrough. And while this is you personally, it's generally a national kind of a pursuit. Yes, you have to do this, but you, and you can fast on your own, but it's generally on behalf of something that's coming, on behalf of something that God wants to do. So while Isaiah 52 speaks largely of the prospect of this, it speaks more about you individually and what God has made you to be and what he has paid the price for you to be. This is you applying that to get ready to go forward. And through, through that then, you're rebuilding the old waste places, the foundations of many generations, repair of the breach, restore of past the dwelling. This is Isaiah 58, 12. You turn away your foot from the Sabbath from doing pleasure on your holy day. Um, delight yourself in the Lord. You ride on the high places of the earth 
taking dominion over principalities and powers, going right into 59.1, the Lord's hand is not short that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. And it speaks about how it's necessary for you through the fast to get these iniquities in check so that you don't misrepresent God or fail him. But our word is Isaiah 58, 8. Then shall your light break forth as the morning, and your health shall spring forth speedily. Righteousness, the vision that God gives you as a partner with him, as a friend of God, will go before you. And the glory of Yahweh shall be your reward. Then you call, the Lord answers. You cry, and he says, here, I am. What does this mean? Righteousness. Well, it was one thing for Abram to be chosen. It was another thing for him to spend time with God, to hear the voice of God, to look up at the sign God was providing, to believe concerning the prospect of going forward and producing and reproducing. And for Abram to believe that, and for God then to say, first issuance, this is righteousness. Righteousness is vision. Seeing, hearing, believing what God is saying, and you being willing to accept it and to go forward in it. So righteousness is what's leading you forward. You could be a righteous person. We are believing that we are a righteous nation, a righteous people. And if you have this inclination in your heart, God is going to try to link you with people who are similarly minded. Righteousness should guide you. And anytime I say this, I know it gets me in trouble because it looks like I'm slamming the church and it makes some of you just cringe. I can see your faces right now because I see them on Sunday. You squirm around a bit. I would dare say that the prospect of righteousness going before is uncommon as the goal of most churches. I know. I trained with hundreds of pastors. I fellowshiped with many. I pastored. I was in a, in a district that had 800 churches. I attended conventions. I sat at tables and listened to pastors, smatterings of different pastors, what their objectives were. And I can tell you right now that largely it was not righteousness. It was growing in number. It was where you invest your money. It was what church that's bigger than mine 
might be open that I can go and apply for. Um, it, it's just, and then people in the church. What church do you want to go to? Well, I want to go where there's a big new facility. I want to go where there are programs for every dimension of my social life. I want to go where there's a big pool of eligible bachelors or bachelorettes. You know, I, I want to be, is that righteousness leading you? No, not really. Not really. I'm not criticizing, I'm just analyzing. I'm grateful that the people of our Saints Network are gathered together because of a, a scriptural, spiritual calling to seek the heart of God and we want to be led forth in righteousness according to the plan of God. <clears throat> and sometimes we've gone on journeys because rarely have we gone on journeys because we were invited to go and we felt that if we did not go we would offend somebody in a crucial place. Sometimes we've gone in ministry because our hosts scheduled us for a speaking engagement. And when we got there, we wondered, first of all, why am I here? And Lord, I've got to correct this because they should not be just indiscriminately scheduling places to speak. I don't want to do that. I only want to go where you ask me to go. If the message is not received and you've asked me to go, well, then that's that's according to your directive but if it's just us casting the seed on hard ground I don't want to do that I just I just don't want to do that but I know that it, when I was pastoring here um, when I was on staff here my job was to build a youth group and I knew that I had to do that. So I did all kinds of things to build a big youth group, and, and, and I did. And then I was in charge of young adult ministry and a Sunday school class, and as an associate pastor, I knew that I had to deliver. I, yes, I was doing the work of the Lord, the work of the ministry, as we say. And I wanted God to bless. We had people praying. But largely it was praying for prayer requests. We wanted to keep everybody happy. That was before me all the time. I'm just being very candid here. This is what most pastors do. Associates, they do it for job security and for the prospect of promotion. Pastors, senior pastors, or lead pastors, or whatever they're called now, they do it to build the empire or to provide a, a very attractive uh, resume for moving up. This is just the way it is. It just is. Righteousness go before you? What is righteousness? All righteousness is the same as justification and it's justify have never sinned. 
So righteousness for them is being born again. Born again is a good beginning point for righteousness, but it's not the operative function of it. Because if being born again was the operative function of righteousness, then how many times are you supposed to be born again? If it happens once, it should you should stay on that pathway. Righteousness is active partnership with God as a friend. What about the Lord? For most of the church, Lord is Jesus' designation. Lord Jesus. Dear Lord, as we say in the South. Lord, help him. The Lord is curios, the equivalent of Adonai in the Old Testament. And it means God has a plan and we need to whoever we are individually and that's why it was for an individual pursuit in Isaiah 52 we need to be ready to move forward in the plan of God so I just I'm just grateful that we as saints are ecclesia we're called out and I'm not damning the church I'm just explaining because a lot of people in my church don't understand how are we biblically different? How are we functionally different? Because in the natural it looks like the places with the huge facilities and scads of money and overflow number of people uh, that they're doing something amazing. And I'm sure that God is blessed by people that he loves. There are, I don't know how many mega churches here in Dallas. I bless them all. We need them. But I can tell you, if you just look, what is the focus of that church? Major church here in our city is devoted to political things. Yes, they preach the word of God, but men rally around the flag. And that will gather people. They want to hear that. We need to hear that in our day, in this nation. But, and I'm sure they're fulfilling some function, but is it really... You ask, how much time do you spend in prayer week? You know, when I first became pastor in this particular church, I became... <clears throat> through the grace of God befriended by the senior pastor of this church he came and spoke here a couple of times he became an official member of this church I've gone to his home we fellowship together I think largely because the Lord put it on his heart he was a key figure in the nation and in the world but certainly in this city but I didn't want anything from him as opposed to all the other thousands of young men who might just want to get close to him because, uh, you know, of who he was. And this was a God thing, and we both knew it. But he said to me one day, one of the deepest heartbreaks I've experienced in my ministry 
is I was never able to get my people to pray. This isn't me saying it. This was this man who had a church on site in Dallas of, with over 10,000 members and an institute, a Bible college, uh, outreach throughout the world. And he said that sincerely with tears in his eyes. Could never get my people to pray. And he went on. He said, I can book world-renowned speakers and pack the house. I can bring in musical groups. We can do uh, great musical presentations. And we have overflow crowds. We have so many people coming that we have to book three or four services of the same thing. If I call a prayer meeting, a handful of people. And so he said to me, and I believe this was prophetic because this was a man of God. He's dead now. I'm sure he still is. He said, uh, as you begin your pastorate here, if you do anything, make sure that you bring your people before the throne of God to pray. Not just in hard times, but all the time. And he prayed over me that we would establish prayer in this city. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely amazing. At the time, I didn't. My, I'll be very direct. I was young. There were a lot of pressures on me at the church at that time. Um, I don't need to go through them. But I thought, yeah, Dr. Criswell, I'm, I'm praying just to survive. That's not really a good way for a relationship to be built. If you're with somebody just to survive, that's not, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not the essence. And I have to admit that I was kind of perplexed by what he said, but I believe that whatever he believed about prophecy, he was prophesying something. There were two great men in the late 40s, 50s, into the 60s, into the early 70s in this city of Dallas, in the, in the spirit realm. One was this man who was the head of all things Baptist. The other was the man who was my mentor, H.C. Noah, pastor of the great Oak Cliff Assembly of God. And I, I was blessed, and this, this church and this ministry was blessed because both of those men spoke words into what we are. And not only spoke words into it, but spent time with me, spent time in this house. I don't know how many times I, when Brother Noah retired, I would drive down to his little apartment and bring him here 
to speak to our senior adults, to spend time. He, he was lonely. His wife had died. What a sunshine he was. What a mighty man of God. I loved that man. He was a father to me. And it was never a burden to drive the hour to go down there and visit with him in Red Oak. Uh, I wish I'd spent more time. But God, in this histeme of Dallas, blessed this place and blessed this ministry of saints. <clears throat> and maybe reflecting on that is a real reward function because God's righteousness goes before us and um, and as the light breaks forth the glory of the Lord is our real work the accomplishment of something that God has initiated from his throne the accomplishment of that as God's hand where we've been hidden in the cleft of the rock we can see that it has gone by and we we can say thank you Lord processing what the glory has done is part of the real world and we as people who need this as judges as gatherers dare I say as Asaph in the tabernacle as defenders against Amalek we need to be spending time in this real world with Elohim on behalf of the plan of God re reflecting on the glory on behalf of his righteousness I encourage you to do to spend time reflecting in love with the Lord, with, with God, reflecting on what we've just come through. We've got another journey. We have many leaders in France, Belgium, Luxembourg, Switzerland that are going to be gathering in the south of France for the first French seminar in um, four years. This is four, four years ago. This, we've devoted it to a different type of gathering, a time of prayer regarding his presence. We're fasting now, but we have a group of established leaders there, so we're not taking a humongous team. The leaders are there. Um, we're fasting now. Come off this other thing, which is a great thing for me, because it mobilized me back into the fray and it strengthens and, and that in itself is gathering the fruits of what we've just been privileged to do with the Lord you're in this position too you all of you saints let's enjoy this because as the breakthrough comes we have to have the real reward we have to have our assurance that we're going in the plan of God and that we're dwelling in his heart as, as when we come through. We have to know that we're going forth in righteousness as a, as a ministry, as a nation of saints. And then as we come through, we're reflecting on his glory. This is a gathering point. It's a defensive point. It is a processing point. 
It is a time of fellowship with him, being refreshed, being strengthened. I think this is where, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think this is part of that reward. You need this, whether you went on this journey or whether you remained faithful serving wherever your terio is. But that's the reward, and we need it. God bless you all. Thank you. We appreciate you very much. For my congregation, we have not announced a prayer gathering tonight. We don't have a, it's a funny thing to say, we don't have a specified let's all gather for prayer in the sanctuary tonight. We did last week, but we did not announce it. So if you come, enjoy the Lord, but don't think, where is everybody? Okay? God bless and goodbye.